I do not have anorexia. <laughs> Amen? In his book called Point Man, Steve Farrar tells the tragic story of Karen Carpenter, a famous pop singer back in the 70s, who died from this misunderstood disease called anorexia. Karen and her brother were known as the Carpenters, and they had a number one hit song that had a line in it that went like this. I'm on top of the world looking down on creation. You see, at that time, Karen was on top of the world. She was on top of the world. She was making an obscene amount of money. She could have most anything she wanted. It was right there at her fingertips. She could have eaten the finest food on the planet. Yet she died of malnutrition. In a spiritual sense, this happens to many Christians. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, God gave Moses a few instructions to tell his people. And this is what he told them. He said to the people of God, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing. That is, it is not a vain thing that I'm telling you to do because, listen to this carefully, it is your life. It is your life, God said, and by this word you shall prolong your days. God says that His word is life to us. We must read it and study it in order to live and to grow like a Christian should. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and they shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. Your hunger and your thirst for righteousness can be found in the word of God. Just as Karen Carpenter had access to the finest foods on earth, so we also have God's Word available to us. So friend, listen. Don't be overcome with spiritual anorexia. Especially when satisfaction is so accessible. You can be filled. Your satisfaction is right here. But it's sad that many Christians choose not to be satisfied. You see, men and women are complex creatures. 
very unique individuals. And all men are women, men and women are controlled by appetites. They have an appetite for sex. An appetite for adrenaline. You heard the term adrenaline junkie? That's somebody that's got an overwhelming appetite for adrenaline. The guys and gals that drive at Talladega, they've got an appetite for speed. There's an appetite for many things. Some people have an appetite for toys. They've got this desire to acquire, and until they have more and more and more, they're never, ever satisfied. In fact, the lives of many people are nothing more than a series of events all strung together whereby they seek to satisfy their appetite. The sad thing is this. Most times, our appetites are fleshly in nature. Most times, our appetites are not spiritual. And in the drive to satisfy our flesh, in the drive to get that new car, in the drive to get that new thing that we think we can't live without, we tend to neglect the most important appetite of all, which is our spiritual appetite. This morning, I want to share with you what God has to say. I want to share with you what God has to say about developing your spiritual appetite. Developing a hunger for God. Listen to what Peter, one of the Lord's disciples, said in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to be sharing from the New Living Translation. Listen to what Peter said. He said, get rid of all malicious behavior and deceit. He said, don't just pretend to be good. Be done with hypocrisy. Be done with jealousy. Be done with backstabbing. You must crave the pure spiritual milk, so that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. He says, cry out for this nourishment. Cry out just like a baby cries for milk now that you have had a taste of the grace of God. You ought to desire the pure spiritual nourishment that God offers in this book. Sadly, many Christians choose to fulfill their physical, fleshly appetite instead of their spiritual appetite. How then do I develop a hunger for God? How then do I develop a spiritual appetite? I believe in that scripture. Uh, four ways are shown to us, the first of which is this recognize that God has a plan. There in verse 2, Peter said, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of what? The Word. Desire the pure milk of the Word. Why? 
so that you may grow thereby. God's plan is that we all grow in him. God's plan is that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's his plan. Growth, friend, is a natural byproduct of birth. Have you ever known a child to be born that didn't grow? Every child grows. It's natural. How unnatural it would be for a child to be born but not grow. But sadly, many Christians, having been born again, are still in the cradle. They may have been born 10 years ago, but they're still in the cradle. The Apostle Paul wrote to some Christians who had this problem. He wrote to the Corinthians and he said, Now I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, that is worldly people, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. Why? Because you are still carnal. You're still worldly. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal? Where these things exist among you, are you not behaving like mere men? You're not a mere person. You're a child of God. And we ought to act like it. The author of Hebrews also wrote to some people with the same problem. Listen to what he said. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. You've been Christians long enough. By now you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teaching others about the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach again the very first principles of the ways of God. You've come to need milk again instead of solid food. So the problem that we have in today's churches is not a new problem. 2,000 years ago, Paul was dealing with the same problem. Christians who were born again, but did not grow up. They stayed in the cradle. Friends, listen carefully this morning. It is God's perfect will that you grow. It is God's will that you grow. Why? So that you can reproduce yourself, make another disciple but also so that you can help others grow. How many of you know that this life you're living is not all about you? But how many Christians act that way? They're not growing. That's why we're called to grow. That's what the commission is, to go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that Jesus Christ has taught us. But so many believers are stuck in their spiritual infancy, not growing. 
We need to recognize that God's plan is that we grow. And if you're not growing, then you're out of God's will. That's the word of God speaking, not Brother Bill. Growing is a part of God's plan. Number two, for developing a spiritual appetite, developing that hunger for God, we need to remember that God provides the needs that we have for his plan. He said, desire the pure milk of the word. Here it is. He's provided everything you need in order to grow. If you'll just utilize what God provides. God has given us all that we need in order to grow. In order to develop this hunger for God, he's given us everything that we need. He's given us his word to feed us. See, the Bible contains all the essential vitamins, all the essential nutrients that you need to grow as a child of God. Everything you need is right here. Everything for your growth, everything from your maturity, it's all right here. If you will just partake of what he provides. Well, what will the word give me, Brother Bill? Well, let me tell you this. The word will give you a strong back. Because if you'll abide by this word, you'll work serving the Lord. Amen? What will the word give me? It'll give me good feet. Because if I take this word of God to my heart, I'll be going. I'll be taking the gospel to people. Amen? It'll give me good hands. Because if I believe this food that God gives me, I'm going to be nurturing towards God's children. I'm going to use my hands to love on them. God, it, this word gives us a strong stomach. If you believe what this word says, you're going to have some guts. Amen? You're going to have some guts to persevere and to endure some awfully difficult times. This word gives you some good eyes. Some good eyes to see the needs that are out there. It'll give you some good ears to hear the pain that's out there. God's word will give you a good tongue so that you can speak the gospel and speak those things that edify and build up and not tear down. It'll give you a good heart. A heart filled with compassion for people that are going to hell. And instead, we'll be going to heaven if you'll use your good tongue and share the gospel with them. It'll give you a sharp mind as it shares with you the wisdom of God. I don't know about you, but I need all the wisdom I can get, especially when it's the wisdom of God. So the Word will give you all you need for food. But God has also provided for us His Spirit. Not only his word to feed us, but he's given us his spirit to lead us. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said, When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you. I love that. The author of this word is in me, and he will guide me into all truth. He won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from the Father, he'll speak. I love that. And he will glorify me. For he takes care of what is mine. This is the only book, friend, the only book that you'll ever read that comes with the author. You partake of this word, you get the author, the Holy Spirit of God, along with it. The Spirit will lead you. So, friend, whatever you do, don't take this Bible for granted. 
This Bible, this book is the holy word of God and it can change your life. It can make things different than they are. It can make your family different than it is. It can make your workplace different than what it is. It changes lives. Do you remember what Paul wrote to Timothy? He said that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's good, for, or it's profitable for doctrine and reproof, correction and instruction. What does that mean? It means that this Word will tell you what's right. This Word of God will tell you what's not right. This Word of God will tell you how to get right. And this Word of God will tell you how to stay right. But you've got to feed on it. The author of Hebrews wrote about the Word of God. And he said, he said in Hebrews chapter uh, 4 and verse 12. Let me just get there. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. You ought to be teachers by this time. You ought to be teachers by this time. But in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is described as being living. See, this is not just ink on paper. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even to the division of the soul and spirit. There ain't no other tool that can do that. Amen? Only a godly tool can divide the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and the discerners of the thoughts. And the intents of the heart. What a powerful word we have. But you know what I find? I find that far too many Christians despise this word. That's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Christians despising the word of God? Does that make any sense to you? But they do. Many believers... Many people professing belief in Christ despise this word. Let me tell you how. They despise this word. You know how? They don't read it. And so by not reading it, they despise it. They despise this word by not hearing it. You see, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People, Christians, well-meaning Christians, they don't read it. They don't hear it. But most of all, many Christians don't do it. They never heard what James said, that we ought to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so by not reading it, by not hearing it, by not doing it, you know what they do? They despise it. They despise the word of God. Friend, if you're ever, if you're ever going to grow in the Lord Jesus, it will only be because you've got a steady diet of the Word of God. Otherwise, you cannot expect yourself to grow. Remember, God has provided all you need for His plan to be accomplished, His plan that you grow. But here's what I found. Peter even tells us, he says, we need to realize something. We got a problem. Anybody else here have a problem? Here, we got a problem. Peter said, 
Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. We got a problem. Here, Peter warns us of certain activities. Why does he warn us of these sinful activities? Because sin will steal your desire for God's word. If you're living a sinful lifestyle, you will have no desire for what you find in this book. Sin robs you of the desire for a spiritual appetite. Sin will keep you from the Bible, but here's the good news. This Bible will keep you from sin. That's the good news. But you have to have a steady diet of the Word of God. Just ask the prodigal son. You know the story. The boy received his inheritance early. He was ready to hit the road. And so he hit the road in a faraway country, and he got there, spent every dime he had, and he ended up feeding in the hog trough. Yeah, I bet he loved that. Friend, you have a choice. You can eat from the hog trough, that the world offers, or you can eat from the Father's table that God offers, but here's the key, only you can decide. Where will you feed? The hog trough of the world or the Father's table? You choose. But know this. One, either one of these, will rob your appetite for the other. Did you hear that? If you're feeding in the hog trough of the world, you ain't going to want nothing that book offers. On the other hand, if you're feeding at the Father's table, all of a sudden the things that the world offers do nothing for you. So where are you going to feed? Where will you get your nourishment? The hog trough or the father's table? We have a problem. What am I saying? I'm telling you, and listen carefully. I'm telling you that you are what you eat. You are what you eat. There are only two kinds of food. There's angel's food and devil's food. Amen? Where are you eating? What you feed on will be what you are. What you feed on will be what you want. And what you feed on will be what you become. You feed in the hog trough the world offers, or you're feeding on the word of God that the table of the Father offers. You choose, but recognize it's a problem. So many times even the Christian believer chooses sin, chooses what the world offers instead of what the Father offers on his banquet table. And you look at that, what the world offers and you say, man, that looks so good. It looks so tasty. Can I partake of a little bit of it? But God says no, because it ain't good for you. He's not a spoiled sport. He's not out to steal your fun. But he knows how you are. He knows if you want some of that junk food, you're going to want more junk food and more junk food until you turn into some junk. Amen? 
He knows that if we live in sin, that we won't have any appetite for Him. If we live a sinful lifestyle, we won't want what God has to offer. And God knows that. He knows that you'll grow weak. He also knows that you'll become useless to Him if you're partaking in what the hog trough offers. So that's the problem we have. That sin problem. But I got some good news for you this morning. We ought to relish in God's promises. Listen to what Peter wrote again. He said, as newborn babes, sometimes we just need a fresh start, amen? As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The first thing is, do you have a desire for the things of God? Do you have any, any inkling of desire for the things of God? If you have a desire, then I'm telling you, you can be like a newborn. A newborn baby wants food. A newborn baby wants to be clean. Can I get a testimony? Amen. A newborn baby wants to be close to its mother. And it ought to be the same way with the Christian. We ought to desire the food that our Father offers. We ought to desire to be clean. And we ought to desire to be close to Him. You know, when a baby's hungry, everybody knows it. Amen? That baby's going to holler out and going to let it be known. I'm hungry, or I'm dirty, or where's my mama? Amen? That baby wants one thing, that baby needs one thing, and that baby ain't going to stop crying until it gets it. Shouldn't we be the same way? Man, if you're dirty in sin right now, you ought to be crying out until you get clean. Don't give up because you falter. Don't give up because you find yourself in that sin again. Keep on trying. Keep on desiring to be clean. You say, well, I kind of set myself up for, for uh, some good devotion time in the morning, and then before I knew it, I was skipping all the time. Well, it don't matter. Go back. You've got the desire. Go back and feed on the Word of God. Well, you, you say, you know what? I just feel like I'm so far away from God. And maybe you are, but who moved, right? Who moved? God didn't move. You moved. So get back close to Him again. Start all over again. Cry out for what you want in God. Have that desire. There ain't nothing wrong with that screaming baby. That baby's just hungry. That baby's just dirty. That baby just wants to be close to its mama. It knows what it wants will fill, that will fill its need. You've got needs too. And I'm here today to tell you, you've got a need for this word. You've got a need to be clean. And you've got a need to be close to your Father in heaven. I pray that you'll let that desire grow in to something beautiful. Christians ought to have that same desire. I read in Psalm 119, where the Bible said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of God. 
See, that walk means to walk and keep on walking. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. That means we're to keep and keep on keeping. Who seek him with their whole heart to seek and keep on seeking. To do no, no iniquity. To keep on doing no iniquity. To walk in his ways, to keep his precepts, to keep his statutes. Oh, that I would look into all your commandments. I will praise you. And when I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Wow. If you'll just feed at the Father's table, you'll have it going on. You'll get satisfied, you'll stay clean, and you'll stay close to your Father. Three things that you need in order to develop a hunger for God. Relish in the promises of God. Remember, recognize that God has a plan. That plan is that you grow. Remember that he's provided all that you need for that growth. Right here in the, the word that will feed you and the spirit that will lead you. But let me give you a little description of this word. Notice what Peter said. He said, Desire the pure milk of the word. Pure, that sincere word. The real deal. The real thing. Friend, let me tell you, you ought to accept nothing less coming out of this pulpit than the real deal. Don't you accept anything coming from this preacher unless it's the real deal. The holy word of God. But you're not going to know if it's real or not if you're not feeding on it yourself. I might be giving you a whole line of bull. And if you're not in it, you won't know it. Accept nothing less than the real thing. Don't accept uh, some diluted, candy-coated, spray-painted uh, sermon. Accept the real word, the pure stuff, the sincere word of God. I know that sometimes it tastes bad. Amen? Sometimes it tastes bad going down. You know what? I, but here's, here's the deal. You know, if, if you'll choke it down, it's kind of like NyQuil. NyQuil is good stuff now. You will sleep good, and it will take care of all your symptoms of your cold. But that is the nastiest stuff going down that I have ever tasted in my life. Am I right or wrong? It's the same thing with the Word of God, friend. Sometimes it hurts going down. Sometimes you have to go in order to get it down. But accept nothing less. Accept nothing less than what is the pure Word of God. And you know, if, if you feed yourself enough of this pure Word, do you know what you'll get? I intentionally left blanks in your outline under that point where i say do you if you'll feed yourself enough of this pure word do you know what you'll get a pure life if you'll feed yourself some of the pure word you'll get a pure life so god's word is filled with vitamins and candy bars too amen all the good stuff but there's also a demand a demand. A baby's cry is simply a demand for satisfaction. It's a demand to be fulfilled. And the Christian ought to be demanding. 
You ought to demand from me to get a word that challenges you. You ought to accept nothing less than a word from God that challenges you to change. Because all of us need to change in some category. Am I right or wrong? We all need to change. Am I right or wrong? We all need to change. Am I right or am I wrong? You too. The Christian ought to be demanding and stand for nothing less than this pure, vitamin-fortified Word of God. But there's so many that are trying to live off of the light menu. How many of you have gone to McDonald's and ordered off the light menu? Are you kidding me? I mean, why bother? I mean, you get this little cup of salad about that big. It, get, it does nothing for my hunger. I'm still hungry when I finish it, but I've ordered off the light menu, but it's done me no good. It hasn't given me any satisfaction. It's not fulfilled my hunger. It's not fulfilled my appetite. I still got the same problem that I went to the drive-thru with. A hunger. So if you're going to grow, you're going to have to get some meat into your life. Did you hear that, brothers and sisters? If you're going to grow, you got to get some meat. You got to get a quarter pounder, I'm saying, a double quarter pounder with cheese loaded. You need some meat. Enough of this light business we're used to getting. God has spread his table and he's loaded it with great things. God's table looks similar to Bethel's table when we have a, a Thanksgiving meal. I ain't never seen so much food in my whole born days than what goes on in our fellowship hall. God's table is similar. And he spread it, he's loaded it, and he says, come get it. I love it when the ladies say, okay, come get it. And he leaves that there for us to come and partake of any time we want. We can come, and it doesn't even cost me anything. It's free for the taking. All I have to do is just come and feed at the Father's table. Just remember this. He's created this table. It's your duty to feed there. He's given you everything you need. Now it's your job to go to the table and eat. Where you feed will be what you grow into. You choose. You want to be something that the world produces or you want to be something God produces? Well, where you feed will make the difference. So do you hunger for God? Do you have that spiritual appetite that I've been talking about? Maybe you need to develop that appetite. Do you find yourself more satisfied after a good movie, a good ball game, or a good sermon? You can be honest. I watched four SEC upsets yesterday. And it was kind of satisfying, can I tell you? But I got more satisfaction preparing this sermon than any ball game ever could have provided for me. 
Do you know more about your favorite movie star, your favorite TV star, or the Word of God? If you needed direction in your life, would you get on the computer and go to drphil.com? Give Oprah a call, would you? Or would you open your Bible and see what God has to say? Finally, do you find yourself growing in the Lord? See, you can show me exactly what you want to show me. I can see exactly what you want me to see in your growth and maturity of the Lord. But you know the real deal. You're the one that has to look in the mirror every day. You know whether you're growing or whether you're not. So are you growing in the Lord? Or are you in the exact same place you were this time last year? That question ain't no fun. Because you want to know something, if I'm honest? I hadn't grown much this last year. So what does that mean? That means that I'm out of the will of God. Because I'm not growing. I didn't feed at the Father's table enough. I didn't develop my hunger for God enough. I didn't develop my spiritual appetite enough. And because of that, I didn't grow like God wants me to grow. You answer God yourself. But if we're honest with each other, we all know the answer, don't we? So I want to encourage you, from this point forward, it don't have to be that way no more. Recognize that God has a plan that you grow. That He's provided all the means for you to grow the Word of God and His Spirit to lead you. He knows you got a problem. Do you realize you have a problem? What sin issues in your life have got to go? You know them. We don't have to make them public. You know what they are. But they got to go. Because when you do that, you can relish in the promises of God. He will develop a hunger for you, or hunger, uh, give you a hunger for Him. He will develop your spiritual appetite. He's provided this banquet for you. It's A-Y-C-E. Y'all know what that is? Come on. Y'all have seen it before. On the restaurant marquees, A-Y-C-E. What does it stand for? A-Y-C-E. All you can eat. Boy, that's my line right there, baby. A-Y-C-E. The banquet table is prepared. It's offered to you. It's loaded. And there's more than you could ever eat. A-Y. C-E. So what's your decision? I say today ought to be the day you start growing. You may say, well, Brother Bill, 
how can I start growing when I ain't been born yet? I'd venture to say that there are at least a couple in here that had never been born. You were born from your mother's womb the first time, but you weren't born again the second time. You haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior and the Lord and Master of your life. You know it and I know it. More importantly, the Lord knows it. And He asks you this morning, come. Come and partake of what I offer you. That is the grace of God, the forgiveness He offers, and eternal life in heaven through your faith. But He's not going to twist your arm, and He's not going to force feed you. He invites you to the table. He says, come dine with me. Father, I thank you so much for...